This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. It's Giving Tuesday today. It's a movement that started in 2012 to create an International Day of Giving as a response to commercialism and consumerism. We'll talk about why people give to charities, ways to confirm if a charity is legitimate, and how to be generous if you haven't got much money to spare. And as always, we're looking for your personal finance questions. So give us a call to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, we'll talk about financial news in the news, but first we do have an early caller on the line so that uh, Kathy doesn't have to wait too long. We'll go ahead and take her call right now. Kathy? Kathy, thanks for joining us so you're, uh, with your question. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Um, I have a question about, uh, uh, I guess it was an annuity that uh, was uh, given by my late fiancé five years ago, and I'm just wondering whether this money is working to its best advantage for me. It was a John Hancock Venture annuity, which is being administered uh, by Wells Fargo. And uh, I don't know if that's uh, really where it needs to be or if you can give me some suggestions as to if I should make any changes. So were you the beneficiary on this annuity? Yes. Okay. And uh, was this um, an IRA that he had or not an IRA? Um, I. You're not. You don't know. Uh, he had withdrawals taken from his paycheck when he was working, and then he had uh, been getting a required minimum distribution. For oh, the past okay. So if it's, if he was getting a required minimum distribution, it is a retirement or a qualified annuity, uh, meaning it operates under the retirement laws. Um, did they reach out to you to ask you how you wanted uh, distributions done? Yes, and I've been getting a check uh, around this time of year for the past four or five years, and I've been parking that check in CDs and savings accounts and things because I need to keep some cash liquid. I know at some point I'm going to need some money to do some major repairs on my house, but I don't need to live off of this uh, annuity. I'm I'm getting a small uh, retirement check from my work, so I basically have been taking care of it that way. Yeah, you're going to have to take distributions wherever it is, whether it stays at John Hancock in an annuity or you move it. Um, I think you probably could move it just to an IRA account somewhere, which is probably a better choice because I'm guessing their expenses are much higher within the annuity. I don't know what it's invested in. Um, You would have a larger choice by just using an IRA at a brokerage account or a mutual fund account. Um, But you still are going to have to take distributions based at least on your lifespan um, since he was already taking some of those distributions. Well, no, he never he never lived to take any distributions. I just 
started taking them as soon as um, he died. Uh, But I thought you uh, said he did a required minimum distribution. Well, they required from me. Um, He hadn't... uh, he hadn't started using it yet. Okay, so it sounds like you may have selected to annuitize it. Does that sound right? And just take distributions over your lifetime? Oh, well, that's what they told me I had to do. And it was amortized out over 20 years. The interesting thing is I think it's supposed to zero out after 20 years, but uh, it's not anywhere close to that. I've only gotten, what, mm-hmm. five checks now, and it's still Yeah, um, the problem is if, you, well, but, if you've already selected that, I don't know if there's a way for you to back out of that. Yeah, w- without, I mean, seeing the exact details, probably even talking to the, you know, your rep at Wells Fargo, it's going to be hard for us to give kind of specific advice there. But kind of more generally, um, annuities, you, you often you hear us talk about annuities a lot. And typically, uh, they are a product which it has generally high fees. And often, you know, the benefits are kind of you can replicate them better just by investing in a regular account, investing in an IRA, participating in your 401k or something like that. So um, and when you inherit them, you often have a handful of choices. You can often uh, you can sometimes just take that as a lump sum in cash. You can sometimes take it as a guaranteed stream of payments over your lifetime or over a certain number of years. Um, so, you know, I'm not really sure what you've ended up. Uh, choosing here, um, but the the point at which you inherit it is generally the one of the few times you will have to to make choices on inherited annuity. Yeah, I, I would say that um, it, you know it's as Ryder said, we can't really tell what you've got and what your options are. You need to get on the phone with somebody who knows how to ask questions and uh, talk to John Hancock to see if you have any other options. Can you change what? you chose. Um, How long ago, was it five years, did you say? Five five years. Okay, so I'm I'm really doubtful that you can do anything at this point. I do know that I can close out the whole account and just take all the money out, but then I knew I'd be hit with all those taxes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. the problem. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, well, if I do go with the IRA, uh, you said an IRA account, uh, how would I go about uh, finding one of those? Well, again, you first have to check with John Hancock and ask the question, can this account be moved or transferred to an IRA account elsewhere? If they say no, don't even bother. But you can open up an IRA account um, at a brokerage firm, you know, a Schwab, TD Ameritrade, uh, Vanguard, Fidelity, the local bank, you can do it anywhere. It just has to be an IRA account that can receive those assets. But again, the first stop is with the annuity folks at John Hancock. Okay, well, that sounds good because the money that I get every year, I've just been parking in the bank, and I was wondering what to do with it. So yeah, I now guess. once you take it out, you can't then turn around and put it back in to an IRA unless you have some earnings. You've got all kinds of complications going oh. there. Yeah. So my right. only option with those with those re- required minimum distributions then would be like to put it in a CD or something. Well, you can put it in another type of investment. You don't have to just do CDs. It just can't be in an IRA. You can oh. you know you can buy a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund or a stock or a bond. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that gives me some some place to start. Good luck. 
Thanks, Thank Kathy, you. for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Let's uh, quickly talk about uh, financial news in the news. Well, I was listening to Bloomberg this morning, and what really um, hit with me, because Mississippi is such an agricultural state, and they were talking about uh, the situation with farmers. They were really talking about farmers in the Midwest, but we know here that we are dependent on uh, agriculture as a big industry, and the tariffs are really pinching our farmers. And those subsidies are only getting to the largest, uh, smallest percentage of the of farmers. Um, our small farmers are not really getting much out of that as far as subsidies. And so we're starting to see bankruptcies. And then that is bleeding over to our local banks because those local banks support those farmers with loans and they're starting to see some erosion of those loan portfolios. Do you have anything, Ryder? Uh, no, I was just looking forward to Giving Tuesday. All right. Uh, is it too early to judge how well Black Friday went? Well, we got some news from it, and the biggest thing I saw, I haven't seen an overall uh, set of numbers as far as increases from the previous year, other than they're watching online. And we have mm-hmm. seen an increase, I think about, um, what was it, maybe about 40% increase of online activity. But mm-hmm. bear in mind, online sales are still just a small part yes. of the overall uh, retail sales. Yeah, so while online sales are increasing, you know, leaps and bounds every year, they're still somewhere, uh, a few years ago, it's 10%. It's now, like, I think 10 and 15. 17, about well, 17 Okay, now. so 17%. So, but that's growing. I mean, if yeah. that's growing a couple of percentage points every year, um, you know, it'll find some equilibrium in the future unless we go 110% of our purchases are online and we just return things to and, brick and, and mortar stores. Yeah, and the big thing that, that online does it really then squeezes profit margins for the brick-and-mortar retailers because mm-hmm. they know everybody is looking online and saying, hey, I can get a good deal over here. Mm-hmm. And so those local retailers have to match those prices just to make the sales. And so that's a real issue. All right. My quick thing is, first of all, I did my Black Friday shopping on Wednesday evening online, you know, because they've all started extending things. And then my other story is Sunday afternoon, I went to, to the NFL shop that was thinking about buying some NFL merchandise. And I noticed the countdown at the top of the page for Cyber Monday. And I was this was about 530 p.m. Sunday afternoon. And it was like four hours left. And so and you're like, it's not even Monday. It's not even Cyber Monday. And the Cyber well, Monday sale was ending right when Cyber Monday was you beginning. You know, it was Monday somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so that goes back to my pet peeve. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, these are specific things. If you want to extend your sale out, come up with a new name for it. All right. That's my that's my gripe. That's your gripe. Hopping that's off your the box. Uh, we're going to take our first quick break. Ben, uh, you've been holding on for us. We'll get to your call right after this break. We also have an email to get to. And your question as well. If you have one, uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Today is Giving Tuesday. Throughout the day, we're encouraging you to consider making MPB part of your charitable giving plans. This is MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me on the show each week are healthcare professionals who add their expertise to the discussion. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. 
information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and if you ever miss part of the show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org to listen again. And we always like to remind you of the MPB Public Media app as well. Download that for your smartphone, and you get to listen to all the MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. It's Giving Tuesday, so throughout the day, we're asking you to consider MPB in your charitable giving plans, not only for today, but through the holiday season. Uh, if you'd like to make a contribution, you can go to mpbonline.org to make one. And if you do, if you don't mind, share your giving with on your favorite social media uh, sites with the hashtag GivingTuesday. Ben has been holding on for us through the break. Ben, thanks for holding. You're on the air with us now, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll take, uh, by the way, I'll take my answer um, after I ask the question. I'll get off the air. I just had heard that... Um, some of the larger companies like Walmart and PetSmart and all the larger companies, they, they always ask you for some charitable donations at the register. And I was always wondering if, and, and I'd heard that they use those as a tax write-off later when they turn that in. Is that true? And is that the best way to give to help out, say, a big company, you know, with their tax break, and uh, you know, if you guys could talk about that a little bit, I'll just I'll listen off air. Okay, sh- sure, yeah. Um, so often those companies, yes, they do that. When when that money gets passed along, that money gets passed along from Walmart. So all those, you know, a lot of places have round up your change, or you know, just a straight, you know, would you like to give a dollar? Um, I think um, you know, I know Target does a five percent uh, if you specify a charity um, at the time, but it's a wash, right? Well, yeah, because if, if I if I give some money to Walmart to give to somebody else, they have to show that money coming in and they write off giving it away. So it's a wash, right? Well, it's a wash, but they also get all the credit. Well, right. yeah, so, and it's it, well, it's really PR. It's not about yeah. the tax deduction, but it's more marketing and look and, at the and good Nancy, we're doing. They may have some expenses associated with that. They get to write off too. Well, that could be the administration of that. The, all that being said, um, it, that's not a great way to give to charity. I mean, if you want to give five dollars to you know some small charity or you know whatever charity is listed, you can just give five dollars to that charity. Chances are they have a website, they have a place where you can mail five dollar check um if you want to give hate, more i hate the pressure at the register too it's it's weird. like like you know if you don't do like especially when i go into pet smart oh my goodness well that's you know? one of the reasons that's one of the reasons that people do it uh, that's yeah. one of the reasons that pet smart or walmart or target is doing that um one they want to encourage people to come into their stores because they feel good oh yeah every time i shop at target five percent of my purchase goes here so i don't you know i feel better about going there every day and spending more than i need to um, so it's not necessary. It's really, it's good, generally good for the company, and that's why they're doing it. It's not necessarily great for the charity. I mean, they're getting the money, but if you are going to give money anyway, just give money directly to that charity. They 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 appreciate checks from individuals yeah, as well. Yeah, but I don't think it's as much about them getting some 
accounting benefit or some tax benefit as it is not, the PR. Not, not particularly. It's good PR for them. It encourages you to shop in their stores. It makes them look good. Um, but another another reason why it's not as good for um, uh, especially small charities. Um, say a thousand people go through Walmart and they give to some small charity. Uh, that small charity gets to show that they had one donor, Walmart. Uh, they would much rather show that they had a thousand people give to them. Even if those folks were only giving a couple of dollars, um, they much rather have uh, the numbers because because there's a number of things that charities uh, look at, especially small ones, especially when they're looking to apply for grants elsewhere. Um, it's how many people give to your charity? Um, how many how many dollars does your charity have? How are you spending it? Things like that. And, and how many people give and how much do people give and how many people are repeat donors? Those are important things because uh, larger granting institutions, they want to see that people care about this and people keep coming back and giving to this charity. They don't want to see, oh, Walmart wrote you a couple thousand dollar check once. Well, my thought on that is I think the, the, the couple of reasons why I think that they would do it. First of all, it's more convenient for you to say, okay, round that up and give you 68 cents as opposed it is to I'm going to make it write out a check or whatever and give to the your uh, your charity of choice. But the other thing too is, oh, this is only sixty eight cents. Right, it's a small versus, thing. Right, so I think that they take advantage of that. And that's the idea behind a lot of business models. You know that if it's just a a, a small amount, we don't notice. Yeah. Well, I remember when car buying, they do that a lot. If if there's a feature that they want you to get that's X amount extra, they'll think, oh, we'll just give up a Coke every day. You know, it's a dollar or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't really work that way. I mean, that's the sort of the psychological thing. Well, and the other thing matter, that not. bothers me about this, it keeps us from um, really being deliberate about our giving and yeah. thinking about what we want to do and talking about it as a family and really making that choice. So it's not only bad enough that they're tempting you with those candy bars now, they're going to try to guilt you into giving them guilt a combination. Trip. Yeah. That's, I tell you. And when I say no, it's just like the cashier looks at me like, really, baby? <laughs> you cheapo. What's wrong with you? <clears throat> okay, uh, here's an email, and it comes from Jan, who says, I'm 72, have no debt, have around 300000 in my IRA, 56000 in savings, and a monthly income of $5,500 in retirement. I owe $19,000 on my 3.5% mortgage. Should I pay it off using my savings? Wait, can, can um, I see this I'm going to say again? yes. And I'm going to say yes because there's no tax break for Jan at this point. Um, and she's not going to be taken out of her retirement account, so we don't have to worry about taxes. She's taking it out of a savings account that is, I'm betting is paying her less than that 3.5%. Yeah. And so it being a small amount, uh, it's not going to rip a big hole in her situation. Mm-hmm. She's still going to be very liquid, have a nice amount in savings, and I think she's going to just sleep better at night knowing it's done. Yeah, and I mean, I think especially when you say it's not a large amount, it's not a large amount compared to just the cash savings she has. Yeah. You know, she's got about three times that in cash savings. Um, I, I mean, assuming she doesn't, she's not spending that down and assuming that she doesn't need a huge amount of emergency savings and doesn't have any other huge things on the horizon. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That's enough money that you can, you can just go ahead and get some of that down. All right. 
Very good. We're talking about uh, charitable giving today, as today is Giving Tuesday. So if you have a question about that or any sort of personal finance question, you can give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Let's talk a little bit about trying to figure out where to give on Giving Tuesday or doing any charitable giving and uh, ways to make sure that uh, the, chari- the, the, the organization you're giving to is legitimate. I know uh, the Secretary of State uh, has a website, sos.ms.gov, uh, where you can go and make sure the, the, the charity is legitimate. Do you all have some other maybe tips and things to think about to make sure that the money gets to where you want it to go to? Well, beyond making sure it is a legitimate charity, you want to look at how many cents out of every dollar given goes to programs versus administration, or as I I see some charities that just exist to feed themselves. Um, So you want to be somewhere in the, you know, high 80, low 90 range of every um, dollar going to their programs. Um, yeah, so what they spend on, you know, programs or whatever is very important. Uh, of course, you know, bear in mind that some of those just due to the way the accounting works, you know, if if it is their staff employees who do a lot of the work, it ne- doesn't necessarily get counted. Um, well, and if it's, if it's a smaller charity, you can expect... You would expect it to be much you know, higher. it's going to be more top-heavy. Um, you know, besides obviously checking just to make sure it is not a complete fraud, which is what the uh, so, um, Secretary of State website is going to be... You know, looking uh, at things which you have a connection with, there are so many charities out there, and there are so many nonprofits out there, and there are ways to support the things that you care about um, in, in a way that's fairly closely connected to you. You know, if you care about education causes, sure, you can give to some big national education uh, group that you heard about on the internet or got mentioned in a major news article. Um, or you can you can call your school PTA. You can you can volunteer at schools in your own neighborhood. Um, you know if you care about the environment, there are there are organizations doing uh, river cleanups here in in Mississippi. Um, there are organizations doing environmental work here in Mississippi. You know if you care about children, there are ways you can support uh, things in your own neighborhood, in your own home, um, in your own home state. Uh, so looking for something which you have a connection to and that can build and charities like that as well um, because they can build a relationship with you and you know if it's something you truly support then you'll share it with your friends maybe you'll volunteer for them maybe you'll continue to give um, so I like I like doing doing things like that where you have a personal connection and um, giving can allow you to be more connected and, um, and and help even more than just giving some money. Uh, there are a couple of places that you can go if you're checking the legitimacy of uh, charitable uh, charitable organizations. There's the American Institute of Philanthropy. Uh, charity Watch that was founded 25 years ago as the American Institute of Philanthropy is an independent, assertive charity watchdog. The BBB, the, BBB, the Better Business Bureau, has their Wise Giving uh, Alliance that helps people make informed decisions and promotes high standards of conduct among organizations that solicit, solicit contributions. Charity 
Navigator is an evaluator of charities in their quest to help donors. Their team of professional analysts have examined tens of thousands of nonprofit financial documents. They use this knowledge to develop an unbiased, objective, numbers-based rating system to assess more than 9,000 of America's best-known and some of the lesser-known but worthy charities. And there are other links on the Secretary of State's website to uh, uh, sites that will help you determine um, you know, the legitimacy of the charity and maybe also uh, maybe discover some that you might not know about. But again, I think, uh, as Ryder pointed out, you can also give up your time. But if you are making a donation, obviously you want to match that to what you feel uh, strong about. Um, any other thoughts about uh, you know, kind of where the money's going? I guess we, we've learned, too, in this day and age that uh, you know, any kind of email, text message, that sort of thing, you want to well, definitely check on Well, I'm always cautious like about that. that. <laughs> Even a phone call, um, I ask them to send me information. And um, because I want to have the, I don't want that high pressure. Um, I want to have the time to look at something to make sure it is legitimate and it's something that's important to me. Oh, man, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but um, uh, planning can really help with this. If you kind of know, you know, what your charitable giving is, what your charitable giving budget is, um, then it's a lot easier to to kind of make a decision about something on the spot. You know, because yes, you can if, say, if you say you look, at, you yeah, know, I've already given up what I'm going to do. I've already given or, oh, you know, that's really great that this is a, you know, helping the veterans charity. Well, you know, I already give to so-and-so, and and that's what I've decided I'm going to do. Thank you so much. You know, maybe I'll look at it for next year. Um, So having a, a plan about your charities, you know, even if it's just writing down, you know, maybe you do give to a bunch of charities. Just write the names of them down um, and kind of maybe make some notes about why you give to them. So next year or whenever you're whenever you're looking at giving to a charity again or whatever anyone is asking you to give to a charity again, you can look at your notes and be like, you know what, actually that does, maybe that does fill a void um, in, in what I want to give. Or you know what, that maybe that maybe that sounds even better than one of the ones I'm giving. Maybe I can, you know, replace one of these. I'm not saying don't ever give to people who are in need, um, but if you're looking for a way to kind of evaluate incoming requests, you need to have a good idea of what you're doing already. And I think that harkens back to something Nancy said earlier, and that is that when we were talking about the the sixty eight cents, you know, as you go through the big box store, exactly, that's kind of scattershot. Whereas, as you say, Ryder, if you've got it all planned out, you'll have a better idea of where you want your money to go, and I think you'll make a bigger impact that way, knowing uh, that you've re, you know directed the resources in the right place and the right amount. And you know, I read an article this morning that said that forty five percent of Americans don't give anything. I don't think that holds in Mississippi because we are always one of the most generous states, even though we have the lowest median household income. And I'm very proud of that. We, we, we give to our churches. We do. We do. Uh, yeah. So is, is, I just kind of thought of this is passing the plate. Does that, does that have as much pressure as the register or do you uh, yeah, prefer, except uh, that's changing. <laughs> that's changing. And, uh, do, uh, do you text in your dollars to your church? Yes. Now you have uh, a tithely app so you can give digitally. Yeah, I have, I have seen um, that. You yes. can, uh, there are a lot of, uh, folks I know in our church who um, have it sent directly from their bank mm-hmm. account, so it shows up in the mailbox mm-hmm. every uh, week. And so it's different how that happens. 
All right. On this Giving Tuesday, we're talking about charitable giving and also looking for your personal finance questions. It's time for another break. The number to call if you'd like to join our conversation this morning is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. If you've got more time than money, how can you uh, help out uh, in the with charitable organizations? Ryder touched on it briefly. We'll kind of expand on that thought when we get back. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio on this Giving Tuesday, where we hope that you'll consider MPB in your charitable giving this season. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're talking about charitable giving on this Giving Tuesday. Also throughout the day, we're asking you to consider MPB in your charitable giving, not only for today, but this holiday season. If you do like to make a contribution, you can go to our website, mpbonline.org to do so. And again, if you do, we would encourage you to share your giving on your favorite social media feed with the hashtag GivingTuesday. Just a question, what is a, a charter when it comes to a chartered financial analyst? What does that mean exactly? Ryder, jump in. Ooh, um, I guess it's kind of a fancy word for a certificate. Okay. Um, you but know, don't use certificate. Right. It, it, certificate is the wrong word. Uh, CFA is actually, the CFA Institute is fairly um, strict about how people use their terms and, and, you know, because it is a brand and it is their brand and they allow um, us to use it as we and are. And why don't you tell everybody how we got our CFA right. designation? So the, the CFA designation, the Chartered Financial Analyst designation is... Um, that you have three tests uh, and they are taken they are offered once a year uh, the first test is offered twice a year and they are changing that up they're going to start offering a little more frequently um, but essentially once a year and you have to also have four years of work experience in investment management um, investment management related activities and they're fairly strict about how that gets defined too um, we actually just uh, gave new charters to three new folks in Mississippi uh, a month or so ago uh, who had passed their their level three exam in the summer and had gotten the, all of their work experience, and some of the folks getting them um, had worked in you know maybe had been a professor of finance or had had worked in finance finance related things, but their work was not quite sufficient to count. So they had actually been you know one girl had passed the tests I think in two thousand six and uh, had only just now gotten her work experience. We're very proud of her. It's it's a lot of hard work and it's a, and not only work working on the test, but doing your job for four years um, to get there. Um, but, you know, they use chartered uh, just because it's um it's kind of a self-regulatory body in that, you know, we are registered with the CFA Institute. Um, we have to, you know, continue to pay dues and um, keep up with... Uh, and and adhere to high ethical standards. Yes. yes. Every, every year we, you know, kind of go through a ethical pledge uh, of some sort um, just to make sure we're maintaining that. So... Yeah. And fly off to Hawaii every year for a big conference. No. No. Okay. No. 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 So. 
Unfortunately, that's, uh, <laughs> that's so. It's sort of like a realtor and real estate agent, and this is a designation, right? It's it's a it's a de- designation, um, you know. And I mean, there's a number of terms you could use for that, but I know. Um, uh, CPAs also, you know, they are considered chartered members or chartered accountants uh, is, is also a term. So, All right. We had an email here that wants to kind of expand on something that we talked about a minute ago. And it says, can you talk about the amount top administrators make in nonprofits a salary and how a lot of the money donated or granted goes to payroll? We talked a little bit about that. What are some legitimate reasons for why part of my dollar is going not to the work that the charity does, but the administration of the charity? Well, someone has to be... Um administering things. Someone's got to run the show. They got to run the show. There's an office um, that top administrator, their main job is going to be fundraising. And uh, so they're out there trying to produce the funds to fuel Mm -hmm. the the work of the charity. Now, um, I will say I've seen some of the inside of those things, and and I've had some real questions about the salaries of the top people. Um, There are folks who um, tend to um, job hop from one nonprofit to Mm -hmm. another because some of them pay very well. So be careful about that. And um, any legitimate one is going to be very transparent on what the pay is. So you should be able to look that up. Um, You know, I think one thing to keep in mind, you know, being the head of a large charity or even just being an employee at a large charity, you know, helping process payments, uh, evaluate grants, evaluate uh, your programs, run your programs. um, It's still a job and people do need to get paid. And and you would hope that the charity you are supporting, um, you would hope that they're not spending too much on that. You'd hope they're not just giving a ton of money to a CEO who doesn't really do a whole lot. But you would also hope that they're paying a competitive salary to get people who are very good at that job. Um, and and so that they can do more with the dollars. It, you know, you might be paying them a little bit more, but you are also getting more bang for your buck, hopefully. Um, also, for very, very large charities, these are huge organizations. And they, uh, you know, they're taking in tons of money. And they have to have... You know, so so the CEO or you know executive directors, uh, you know anybody out there from they are the public face of these organizations, and as such, you know they they do a lot of work, and and oftentimes you know if they are worth it, then they should they get paid. And so, are, is there a, sort of a guideline for percentage of? The, a dollar that should go to administration versus? Well, well again, um, I think you're going to be looking for high 80s, low 90s as far as the cents on every dollar that will be going to programming versus administration. And that's particularly with, I mean, like we said earlier, you know, larger charities. Um, you know, if you have a small local charity that's just kind of gearing up and they're fundraising and they have a lot of kind of expense expenses to do it, you know, that's understandable. But a um, lot of local charities, small charities, um, are run by volunteers, too. Sure. Speaking of volunteers, 63 million Americans volunteer about 8 billion hours of their time, talent, and effort each year to improve people's lives and the natural world. According to data from the Corporation for National and Community Service, religious organizations were cited as a type of organization that volunteers worked in the most, 34%, followed by educational or youth services, 26%, and social or community service organizations at 15%. So uh, speaking of what a little bit about, and you know, Ryder, you touched on this a little while ago, but how how valuable is 
a volunteer hour or a volunteer work to some of these charitable organizations. Well, there are a lot of charities that can't even function without their volunteers. They couldn't open the doors without their volunteers. Um, and so a lot of local charities really depend on those volunteers mm-hmm. to help with uh, food pantries mm-hmm. and uh, clothes closets and um, manning uh, their thrift stores. All of those things are often run by the volunteers, and they become very important. Yeah, I mean, I think especially a small charity probably often, you know, does start with volunteers. Um, large charities, you know, they may, some charities may not have a lot of use uh, for volunteers. You know, some charities may be, you know, they have paid staff who are, you know, training folks to go do things. And, like, those people don't, you know, so they have paid staff who are doing all the work. And that's what their programming is. And that's what you're paying for. Um, I, I was just thinking about an example of a, a local charity I really love. Um they they are completely rely on volunteers and this, and they do a fantastic job. It's um, it's called Big House Books and they send books to uh, prisoners across the state of Mississippi. And so they're fairly they're they're one that has run a hundred percent of their donations. Nancy will be happy about yeah, that. I love that. A hundred percent of their donations go to uh, go to their programming, as you might call it. But their programming is um, mostly they buy some books. They get a lot of book donations, but they buy some books and they pay for postage and. So so they have uh, every now and then. I'm not sure if they do it on a regular uh, monthly basis. They try to do it on a fairly regular basis. Volunteers who come in and pack pack uh, packages for prisoners because prisoners will request books or they'll say, "Hey, just send me some books." So they'll you know print postage. They'll you know stamp envelopes, stick books in there, and so all of the all of that effort, which is hugely important because you know. It takes a lot of effort to, you know, pack a lot of packages and take them. You know, that's a lot of effort, and they don't have anybody paid. So speaking of volunteerism, especially with smaller local things, you can volunteer directly. You can see it happening, and, and it, it, is, it is super worthwhile to that charity. And whether you volunteer your time or you give money, um, what we know is giving is good for the soul. Oh, yeah, it is. Aww. Makes us better people. Uh, we've got Tom on the line. Tom on the line that we will get to. We need to take one final break. Just a reminder, too, if you're ever looking to kind of reevaluate, reevaluate your charitable giving or looking for someone that you would want to volunteer for, again, at sos.ms.gov, not only is it sort of a list of the legitimate charities, but there are links there that will have maybe some charities that you've never heard about. And, again, you can try to match what you're passionate about uh, to organizations that help out in that area. As I said, one final break. When we get back, we'll get to Tom's question. And we have time for your personal finance question as well. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 On this Giving Tuesday, where we're asking you to consider MPB as part of your charitable giving this holiday season. If you'd like to make a contribution, go to mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the show after this. on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking today about charitable giving on this Giving Tuesday, where we are encouraging you to think about uh, MPB when you make charitable giving this holiday season. And again, if you want to go do something on this Giving Tuesday, you can go to mpbonline.org to make your contribution. If you do, we'd appreciate it if you share it on social media with the hashtag GivingTuesday. Tom held through the break for us. Tom, you're on the air with us now. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I'd like to know, um, 
I recently sold some stocks at a uh, $26,000, $25,000 capital loss. I also have an annuity, and I'd like to know how much I could pull from it to kind of offset that capital loss. Oh, here's your problem. When you pull from an annuity, it's not counted as a gain. It's counted as income. Mm. Now, that means... In the year you take it out, you can use 3000 of that loss to go against the income, mm-hmm. but that's all you can do. And so there's a very big difference in um, the way investment gains are treated within an annuity. Again, when it, you start taking it out, it's at your income tax rate. You don't get the lower capital gains rate. Yeah, so what you can do is, you know, uh, talk to the folks uh, at your, um, you know, annuity company and ask them. You, you, they may be able to calculate uh, pretty straight out for you. Hey, I would like to take out enough money uh, such that I realize three thousand dollars in income. Um, they may not be able to calculate it exactly for you, but essentially, you know, imagine if, you know, you put a hundred thousand dollars into the annuity and it's two hundred thousand dollars now. Your withdrawals are going to be half uh, uh, what you put in there and then half income. Uh, so $6,000, in that example, a $6,000 withdrawal yeah, and let's would realize $3,000. Because what we're talking about here is a non-qualified annuity. Oh, that's right. So when you put money into a non-qualified annuity, the money you initially put in there is your basis. And whatever it grows to, that's going to be what the it will be called your income and will be taxed at your income right. tax rate. Right. I pay on that. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. So okay. if it is a qualified annuity, meaning it's a retirement account, then every penny that you take out is taxable income. Okay, I've got you. Okay. I've, you've helped me a lot. Thank you, man. Good. Thank you all. Mm. All right, Tom, thanks for your call. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a personal finance question this morning or maybe a charitable giving story that you'd like to share with us, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts, uh, and it might be interesting here because we've got Ryder of a bit of a younger generation, Nancy and I, a little bit older. A youth. Be careful. Old, old, Be careful. Not old, but older. Yeah. Uh, Youthful. But what about, the, um, and now I can't think of the uh, Kickstarter, those sorts of things where I, mm. I'm online and sure. I'm and Well, first of all, those are not official charities. Those are generally not charities. I, I, oh, you go first, Nancy. Oh, no, I want to hear what you have to say, Ryder. Okay, so, no, so um, Kickstarter Kickstarter itself is generally for uh, businesses. Right. Um, they are, they're, I know but what people, about GoFundMe? People, people originally, you know, started using it for that sort of stuff, but uh, GoFundMe, yes, uh, GoFundMe is what people use for, oh, I had a medical emergency, uh, oh, you know, I'm raising money. Um, one that I've supported recently is um, raising money for buying water filters for folks in Flint, Michigan. Michigan, um, because I preferred that over uh, sending bottled water, because um, that's that's uh, similarly unregulated. Um, uh, so one thing that GoFundMe has started, they have started doing, um, I'm not sure if they've actually launched it or they're just talking about launching it. A charitable side, uh, so that they're they're launching some, so that um, I'm not sure. I don't know that you would have to have have to be a registered nonprofit, but they would be able to process donations as a charity. Um, and one good thing about GoFundMe as well is they. J- 
funnel all of the money uh, directly to the to the recipient. Um, I was going to say charity, but again, it's not necessarily a charity. Um, and they do, you know, it's essentially like, would you like to donate a couple extra dollars to keep GoFundMe running? Because, of course, they do pay. They pay the transaction costs very often. They, of course, have to pay staff. They have to have a website up and running. And all of that costs money uh, for GoFundMe. But they do, They if they don't have it right now, they are working mm-hmm. on a charitable yeah. option, which is super interesting. And, and I'm going to give my plug here because we've had a big change in our tax law. And the big change was we have an increase in our standard deduction. So if you're a couple, you can deduct uh, your, your standard deduction is twenty four thousand. Well, most people don't have charitable contributions and mortgage interest deduction and all kinds of other things that go over that amount. And so, what we're finding is that charities are having a harder time getting people to donate to recognized charities to say, "Oh, but you're going to get a tax deduction." Well, maybe it's not as beneficial as it was. And we did see a drop in charitable deductions last year because of that change. And I've said to people, "This." is a good chance to just give to someone in need. And maybe someone you know who's having uh, some struggles of some sort, there are ways to do it anonymously. No, you're not going to get a tax deduction. But if you know them and you know this is going to be used well, then that's a good use of your money. So uh, I'm just curious, is um, GoFundMe part of that money is administrative as well? So your dollar doesn't all go to the person who's had the medical bills. Okay, so what they say on their website, and I'll be honest, I have not done all the due diligence on this, is that they send 100% of the money to the person. So when you go through a GoFundMe, you can say, I want to donate $100. And then they will say, in the next step, they'll say, we give 100% of the money to uh, to the charity. You know, we cover transaction costs or, or, or you know, whatever. Um, would you like to donate money to GoFundMe? Um, so, you know, you can say, okay, I gave $100 to this cause. Uh, would you like to give $5? This will help cover our transaction costs because our transaction costs are probably, you know, if you're doing it on a credit card, 3 4% of, of what you just gave. So, you know, giving $5, you know, that covers the transaction costs. Um, and it also funds um, funds this, their operations because again, you know, keeping a website up and running, especially one the size and scope of GoFundMe, that's a complex task. Um, and so, obviously, you know, some people might be giving more because they're still online. So, uh, so someone is doing something for them. And is there any oversight to make sure that the person is actually has medical bills, or are this this is no, not just some sort not, of not right, really? So. No, yeah, really. and that's why I find it better to just, if you yeah. know somebody, there are people right. in yeah. your sphere that you know that are struggling and that if yeah. you put money in their hands, you know it's going to be put to good use. All right. Let's close out the show with one final call, and it goes to Tim, who's called in from Macomb. Tim, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Yes, uh, I was trying to find out. I work in Mississippi, but I live in Texas, and they're taking state tax out of my check, so... I was, they just started doing it, but I've been working for the company for like eight years. So I was just mm-hmm. trying to find out what can I can I file and get that money back? What, how would I do that? Yes. Uh, yes. And that is the mechanism for getting your money back is filing to get it back. Because uh, you're going to file in Texas, right? Well, yeah. presumably you're filing your income tax in Texas um, where do they have income tax in Texas? Oh, I don't think they do. We, 
We don't have state. No, we don't. No, you don't. So, yeah, you you can do a filing because you're a resident of Texas, presumably you're considered a resident of Texas. Um, Then you will do a filing in Mississippi. And, um, you know, I'm not fresh on all these forms right now, but I have helped folks uh, who lived in multiple states or worked in other states uh, look over their taxes. And, and yes, in many cases, you can get back what you uh, paid into a state where you were not resident. Um, But that's just going to depend on, again, when you file your taxes. But yes, it is the mechanism for getting that back will be doing a Mississippi uh, tax filing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, Tim, thanks for your call. Got about a minute left. Just a reminder, again, the Secretary of State website, uh, sos.ms.gov, has a list of charities, uh, legitimate. They've done some research. So if you're uh, contributing and want to know, you make sure that the legitimate uh, the charity is legitimate, you can go there. But also, as we said, there's a number of links to some sites where you might learn about some other charities that you did not know about that might match up your passion with, uh, with the work that they do. And also, again, it is a giving. Tuesday, we would uh, ask you to consider MPB and your charitable giving. Remember, you know, if you listen to Money Talks and our other local programs and get some valuable information, then we would uh, ask you to consider making a contribution uh, because uh, the money that we raise helps uh, keep these programs on the air for everybody that listens and tunes in to to educate and entertain them. So go to mpbonline.org to make that contribution. And again, we would appreciate it if you make a contribution, if you would share it on your favorite social media feed with the hashtag Giving Tuesday. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to our podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and Lisa was our call screener today. For Dr. Nancy Lotcher danderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.